This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hello, hello, everybody. It's another week of Hockey Central here on Sports at 960. The fan, I'm Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. It's a Flames game day. Calgary playing their first of two games in St. Louis tonight against the Blues. Puck drop at 6 p.m. Pre-game goes at 5 right here on Sports at 960, your home of the Flames. And I'm going to bring in uh, my friend slash producer slash host. The list goes on and on. Logan Gordon here to chat. Uh, before we get to some of our guests, by the way, Carolyn Cameron, she is the NHL host on Sportsnet, really the, the real host of Hockey Central at Sportsnet. Uh, she's going to join us in about 10 minutes or so to uh, take a spin around the league. We're at the midway point of the season. We'll talk to Carolyn about that. And then Sandra Persina is going to join us later in the show. She's the voice of the Calgary Wranglers. You know, talk a little bit about what we can expect from players like Walker Dewar, Jacob Peltier, and other prospects. But again, first, let's let's uh, let's go to my friend Logan. Logan, what's up? How are you? I'm good, Hales. How are you? Good, good. I, uh, I didn't sleep last night. No. <laughs> I just didn't go to bed. <laughs> you just had one of those nights? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why would I? I was working, and I just hit the... I ended up taking a nap. This is horrific. It's so unhealthy. I ended up taking a nap between 6 a.m. and like 10 a.m. <laughs> that's yeah. That's not a good sleep schedule. That's uh, that your doctor no, would be I very concerned about this. that. <laughs> no. Let me know on the text line what I should do to go to bed. <laughs> Just nine sixty nine sixty. Now I was working on a story. Came out on the Athletic this morning. Just you know, a deep dive into Shane Wright. And I've been so good at not doing caffeine too late in the day that I think I ended up messing everything up because I made like a tea or something while I was writing. And then I finished the story. I mean, I filed it. I wasn't working all night, but I was just <laughs> awake. <laughs> just couldn't get to. Just couldn't get there like everybody else, and had to. I was uh, just so excited for another week of the show that you yeah, were going to yeah. be here today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's Christmas morning. Couldn't wait. Couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> Yeah, it was bad. So we'll see how today's going to go. I'm feeling fresh. I'm feeling great. I've actually only had one coffee today. Young and fresh. Let's go. Young and fresh. Geo. All right. It's a Flames game day, Logan. Jacob Markstrom's projected to start. Uh, Looks like it's going to be Jordan Biddington for the Blues. Last time these two teams played, the Blues won 5-2 at the Dome back on December 16th. Jacob Markstrom, that game, allowed five goals on 24 shots for a 792 save percentage. Connor Mackey had the two Flames goals. He's not expected to be in this game tonight. Uh, I heard you on Sportsnet today talking a bit about this, and you had the clips from Walker Dewar, who's expected to make his season debut tonight, uh, and the chat with Craig Berube in St. Louis, you know, looking ahead to this matchup. Uh, sounds like they're going to be missing Robert Bertuzzo, Nick Letty. That's on top of already having Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko out of the lineup. Uh, I think the important thing to remember with this Blues team, and I'll kick it to you too to kind of look at this matchup, they still have some skill at their top of the lineup. They've got Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, Buchnevich. You know, they're not, they've got something there still. And this is a team that is pretty strong in the forecheck that can be tough to play against, and again, 
This is a Flames team that just lost 4-3 to in overtime to the Chicago Blackhawks. So we can't be writing off the St. Louis Blues in this matchup tonight. No, 100%. You, you still have to be prepared for these next two matchups in St. Louis. And for me, the biggest thing was, you know, yeah, five major players for St. Louis who aren't going to be in the lineup tonight that were in that game in December with you, when you added the names that you had, plus Tory Krug. That's, that's a massive loss. But the fact of the matter is, the guys that did the damage for St. Louis in that game in December are still in the lineup. That's the Buchnevichs, yeah. Jordan Cairo still in there. They're having massive years. You can't forget about Robert Thomas. I still feel like that guy doesn't get talked about enough outside of St. Louis for how good no. he's become there. Uh, you had Jordan Grice or Thomas Grice, excuse me, in net last time. You'll see Bennington tonight. So yeah, and I think you know St. Louis is one of those teams too, Haley. That's sort of predicated on not really having a superstar per se, but having lots of depth. And I feel like this is one of those moments that you'll, you know, can shine for St. Louis in a sense when you're missing so many guys, maybe it doesn't hurt them quite as badly as it would other teams because they are deeper down their lineup. Yeah, absolutely. I know that, you know, Jeremy Rutherford, who covers the the blues for the athletic had a really great piece, just looking at, um, you know, uh, their general manager, Doug Armstrong, essentially sent a text because <laughs> he was on the road going the World Juniors. And then the Ryan O'Reilly and the Vladimir Tarasenko injuries come through. The news comes out and he kind of sent a message to the team via text being like, who's going to step up? Like, who's going to be the next man up? And I feel like this is a Blues team, you know, since those injuries have happened, have been able to do that. I think the first game that they played without those two major players in O'Reilly and Tarasenko was against the Leafs, and they went in and beat Toronto, um, you know, who was a, a healthy team, you know, a Leafs team that was, I think, at the time, second or third in the NHL, and they went in. They had that next man up mentality, and that was a wild game. I forget the exact score, but it was probably like 6-5. It was like three goals in a minute and a half in that one. It was pretty wild, very fun. I know we don't like to talk about the Leafs on this station, but (laughs) that game was a pretty fun one. So the point is is that this is a Blues team that you can't really take lightly because they have that next man up mentality. Um, Again, we mentioned Walker Dewar expected to make his season debut. Jacob Peltier was also recalled in that transaction from the Calgary Wranglers. Again, we're going to talk about the prospects later on the show with Sandra Persina, the voice of the Wranglers. One of the things I want to get to you, um, get with you here, Logan, and we'll open up the text line for this conversation as well, 960-960. We're at the halfway point of the Flames season now. Game 41 was that 4-3 OT loss to the 32nd place Chicago Blackhawks. It's not what we expected this team would look like. I don't think it's unfair at all to say that they have underperformed based on expectations, at least the external ones that we've placed on the Calgary Flames. Um, we heard from Bradtree Living on Flames Talk, you know, in his exclusive chat with Pat Steinberg yesterday, and he kind of seemed like he's in agreement saying we're capable of a lot more individually and collectively. If you want to hear more of that conversation, it's available on demand, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But Logan, before we go to the Atlas Pizza Hotline and, and talk to Carolyn Cameron, I, I just got to get your take. What do you make of the Calgary Flames through the halfway mark of the season? It's a tough question because I think at times, <laughs> yeah. at times, and I, you know, I know why Brad would be, you know, sort of going back and forth because I think at times we've seen what we think this group can be, and at times, especially coming, especially where we are right now, Haley, coming off of that game against Chicago. That's so frustrating for this group because they just can't have nights like that. They're supposed to be a veteran team. 
that knows better than to have an off night defensively against a team like Chicago. So it, it can be tough to assess. I think that we've seen enough good things, and given where they are in the standings, if you feel optimistic about this group heading into the second half of the season, I certainly wouldn't blame you for that. But if you're someone out there looking at this team and saying, I've expected a lot more, maybe not what it was last year, because I think that that narrative and that idea that this team was ever going to be anything like what they were last year after all the changes is is just one that's not fair to make. I think you're comparing two different things. But if you were still expecting more from this group than what you've seen right now, I certainly wouldn't blame anyone who sits there and, and feels that way either. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's interesting to look at this team because I don't think they're quite as Jekyll and Hyde as they were a few years ago back when you know Jeff Ward gets fired midseason and Daryl Sutter comes in and takes over. That was you know, a consistently inconsistent Calgary Flames team. This team's a little bit better, um, but we still haven't seen them go on a legitimate run of playing like dominant winning hockey. They've put a couple games together. They've won some games, but I think the, the, the results haven't been there on like a really dominant stretch yet. Is that fair to say? 100%. I think that if anything, this Flames team needs to find a way to avoid what they did really in October and November, and that was win four or five, lose four or five, or lose seven, win three, whatever it was. Yeah. This team needs to find uh, you know, the day-to-day effort and that day-to-day consistency that we know can make them such a tough opponent. Yeah, that's uh, those streaks is St. Louis Blues territory, so let's not do that. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Logan. No uh, I'm sure we'll uh, hear more from you on the station as it's a Flames game day and, and you're very busy. So I always appreciate you chatting off the top. Anytime, else. All right, let's go to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. We've kept her waiting. It's Carolyn Cameron, NHL host on Sportsnet, host of the Real Hockey Central, I think. How does it feel to be on, you know, the the Sad Stepsister radio show? No, what are show. you talking about? Come on. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I haven't talked to you in a while no. in person or like through media, if you will. <laughs> I know, I know. I felt bad because, you know, I had our producers, like I think Logan or Taylor reached out and I was like, I probably should have just texted and said, hey, how are you? How's your life? Want to come on the radio? You're big time. No, no, absolutely not. But I appreciate that. Um, So Logan and I were just chatting about the Flames at the midway point of the season. Uh, You know, I know... You have the the Predators-Leafs game tomorrow night on Wednesday Night Hockey, but you've had some Flames games mixed in there. You're on top of things. Like, when when you look at the Flames at the halfway point, like, what do you make of of this team right now? Yeah, it's so interesting because I kind of look at it relative to the West, right? And I think of that for Edmonton. I think of it for St. Louis, even Colorado with where they are and the Predators. But for the Calgary Flames, midway through the season to be in the first wild card spot, I think it's disappointing at the start of the year I honestly thought they'd be at the top of the Pacific but I still expect them to get better I was thinking like if if from a month from now it's not clicking offensively in the way we all expected at the start of the season or even before then then I'll have more of a concern but given the fact that the West has not been as strong as I think a lot of us thought it would be and considering it's such a tight race and that's why I say I compare it or look at them relative to everyone around them. No one around them, except for Vegas, 
is really figured themselves out, right? Like, I mean, Colorado, sure, it's because of the injuries. St. Louis, they have injuries, but now they're kind of coming around. Like, Edmonton, despite going to have, like, historic years for McDavid and Dreisaitl, they're still struggling and allowing way too many goals. They're not guaranteed a playoff spot. And Seattle has kind of just found themselves. And from watching their games, especially in the last two weeks, I actually do believe they're the real deal. But there's just so much, compared to the East, there's just so much uncertainty in the West. So for the Flames to be in a playoff spot right now, I'm not concerned. But if they don't kind of really get things clicking offensively by a month from now, that's just kind of the date that I have in my head, then Mm -hmm. I'll be... I'll be more concerned. It's interesting too, kind of to jump ahead because to tonight is I did rinkside on um, Saturday night, St. Louis in Montreal. And it was so interesting talking to the blues too, like without Tarasenko and without O'Reilly and without Krug, like they've suddenly figured it out, which especially is good news considering that Tarasenko and O'Reilly could most likely be gone at the deadline. And there just was an ease, coming from their players it wasn't that of concern and maybe that's because of the fact that they're building their way up because even marty st louis said on saturday on the montreal side he always says it's not about why you are where you are so it's not about looking back as to how come we weren't better how come we're only here it's about figuring out your way out and working your way out and to me the st louis blues they really have that mindset where if you look at calgary Edmonton, um, not Colorado, just because of their experience. But if you look at especially those two teams in Alberta, they're still, it's almost like this internal struggle with themselves, a push and pull, still kind of trying to figure out why aren't we where we wanted to be and yet how do we get there? Yeah, it's such a great point. Is Marty St. Louis one of the most interesting people to talk to? This is my sidetrack now that you brought him up. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed talking to him. And I have to say, like, I'm a bit of a broadcast nerd. But so for people who don't know, like, everything you see on TV, like on Sportsnet or post-game or in-game, the, the scrums and what you read in articles, those have a much different feel than if you're, as you know, Haley, able to talk to people off-camera or without a recording device um, in their face. Yeah. And that's where talking to Marty St. Louis I find so refreshing. And I think with him, what makes him so unique, too, is when the cameras are off, you're also getting the perspective of not just a Hockey Hall of Famer, not just a coach, but just an everyday player. So it's interesting to kind of see the different perspective of what it was like for him in these tough moments or easy moments when he was a player compared to trying um, to get players to do what he wants now as a coach. So, yeah, I really enjoy Mm -hmm talking to him that's the part of this job I like too is when you get to more of the instead of the x's and o's it's more of the why do we act the way we do whether it's in pressure whether it's in easy times and struggle I don't know I I just find that interesting because we forget they're all humans right sometimes yes it's just game to game and you forget kind of the as I said the push and pull that goes on in all of our heads Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that we've talked about on this show quite a bit, Um, you know, really having people like Kelly Rudy on to talk about what Jacob Markstrom might be going through as a starting Mm -hmm. goalie. Like That is such a mentally difficult position, and he's obviously going through, 
you know, a lack of confidence in his game this season, especially coming out. Everyone always kind of points to that second round playoff loss to Edmonton going, what happened here? And, you know, this is a guy who's now saying, I'm not good at hockey right now. And that's such a mental thing. And then for someone like Jonathan Huberto too, you know, he thought he was going to maybe get an extension in Florida. He gets traded, signs an eight-year contract. He moves from Florida to Calgary. I mean, these are human adjustments that they're trying to make in their lives. And I think sometimes that that can be lost when we're looking at the standings or looking at stat sheets and underlying numbers and such. And even with coaching, I think we always talk and use the word systems and, and sure for Jonathan Huberdo, like switching to Daryl Sutter's system is vastly different than what he experienced in Florida. So there should be growing pains. I feel like everyone still needs to remember he's not a goal scorer, right? He's a, he's a creator. He's, the assist Mm -hmm. king but I think it's also it's not just about adapting to a coach's systems it's adapting to a coach and how that coach deals and handles their players like look no further than Boston this year who's just on a ridiculous pace and everything I'm hearing out of Boston and this was before they were even going on their incredible run so this is preseason just as the season started the guys were just loving being there so you have a fresh voice in Montgomery and they're loving it right And you just Mm -hmm. see, it's just, and it's not to say one coach is good or bad compared to the other, but I think that there's two things that you have to adjust to when you're a player going to a new team or a new coach coming to a new team is not just the X's and O's, but also just on a personal level, depending on how you play and how you handle the game, how you're adapting to each other. Let's go into the Bruins a little bit more too. Uh, They've won 32 of the 40 games they've played this season, 850 point percentage. Like, I think a historic season is probably on the table for the Bruins. I I have not seen anything yet that would lead me to believe that this team is going to fall off the wagon and that they're not the best team in the NHL right now. Like, they have 68 points right now. And if you look at other teams in the league, we're at the halfway point. Other teams aren't even going to finish the year with that many points. So it's pretty incredible. And there, I mean, that's where I was kind of comparing the East to the West. Like right now in the East, there are teams that are kind of powerhouses. And even you even look in the Atlantic, like you got Boston, Toronto, and Tampa. And neither of those teams are probably going to budge from their position one, two, three in that division. And they're all so tough. So you'll have great first round matchups, but it's also just a stark comparison to what's happening in the West. But yeah, Boston, I always every year think, I don't know. I think they're too old this year. Like now's the time they're going <laughs> to yeah. kind of just sail into the sunset and, and no, and they've also done a really good job of having younger players adapt. And even like, think of a guy like Jake DeBrusque, whose future was questioned and he wanted out of Boston and now under Montgomery, he's fitting in quite perfectly. So it's there. I mean, they're the envy of everyone in the league. Cause it's just, they're all having a great time. Life is good. Everything's clicking. Everything's just rolling. And I keep kind of waiting for the, the blip because it's a long season. Mm-hmm. You'd think, like, they'd struggle at some point, but nope. <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. That's me. Uh, every year I'm kind of like, I think the Washington. I was on this show being Same. like, you know what? I think the Capitals are toast. And they're like top 10 That was me a month now. ago. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, all yeah. right. Whatever. <laughs> Thanks, Ovechkin. They got Wilson and Backstrom back, and now I just look stupid, and that's okay. That's We're like fine. Pittsburgh, too, right? I think it's yeah. – I, 
I can't remember off the top of my head. It's either 16 or 17 straight years in the playoffs, which is ridiculous. Like, it's consecutive yeah. for Crosby, uh, Latang, and Malkin. And even a month mm-hmm. ago, I'm like, or two months ago, I'm like, I don't know, maybe this is the year. And then they went on this, like, talk about streaks in the NHL all this year. Like, they went on the incredible streak, and then now they're struggling again. I mean, they have one win to snap that losing skid. But it's like, do they not make the playoffs? No, no, it's Pittsburgh. They have to. Yeah, I I see the Penguins making it over a team like the Islanders in that yeah, wild card race. Same. But I mean, we'll see. We still got a half of the season to play. Um, since it is the midpoint of the season, why don't you go over some midseason, you know, winners and losers here awards? Sure. Like I know we talked about a bunch of teams here, but is there a team or two, maybe in East or West, that has been the biggest surprise for you this season? Either a pleasant surprise or, you know, the opposite. Yeah, I'll just avoid the Flyers or Columbus. Um, Yeah, I think a bright spot for me, let's see. I'm actually surprised how much Montreal has struggled as of late. I didn't think they'd have a playoff year, but I thought earlier this season when we just saw the young talent actually clicking that maybe they had a chance to surprise some of us. And then lately, I mean, they just snapped on Saturday that seven-game losing streak. But I'm just surprised with – how much they've faltered as of late and how bad their power play and PK have been like two of the worst in the league. A bright spot for me in the East has been the Buffalo Sabres just with Paige Thompson. I think um, like no one really, I, I saw something on social media that Austin Matthews actually predicted pre season that Paige Thompson would have a breakout year and that he did, but I don't think anyone else saw it coming. So I'm even just happy for Sabres fans that finally something good is happening. And the Kings, after last year in the playoffs, I thought, like, okay, maybe they have a chance. But the fact that they've been steadily um, second in the Pacific Division and been able to stay there, that's really surprised me. And the fact that Edmonton still hasn't been able to figure it out has surprised me because they're running the risk of another year. I mean, they made it far last year in the playoffs. But to not reach the Stanley Cup final or win a Stanley Cup when you have the greatest – player of his generation in his prime like the Oilers are gonna have to make some moves by the deadline to make sure they have not just forward depth but good forwards who can play defensively come playoff time and then just cross their fingers for goaltending so it's kind of it's interesting because the teams that are surprising me are the ones that are they're in a playoff position I'm not surprised they're in the playoffs it's more so that I'm surprised in the west they're not as comfortable as they should be Sure. I think the Kings are an interesting team because I I feel like that's one where I've looked at them and said, I don't know if I can trust them yet because Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson, you know, I was looking at some stats with with somebody at ClearSight Analytics who they do great, like private um, goalie data work. And that's, they were the absolute, like, bottom of the barrel worst goalie tandem in the league by by these metrics. And, you know, Phoenix Copley comes in and he's looking great. But is that something that the Kings are going to be able to rely on for the rest of the season? I mean, the goaltending picture there and in Seattle is something that makes me question those two teams. And also it's the opportunity for teams like Calgary and Edmonton, if they can figure certain things out, like there should be an opportunity for them to start clicking and take over those teams in the Pacific. Because when you look at it, I mean, on Jacob Markstrom should be the best goalie of, of all those teams starters totally. that we just talked about. We yeah. just haven't seen that from him yet this season. 
No, and I think that's what's so frustrating in the West is it's like, okay, we're right there. And it's not just the flames. It's like, we're right there. Why is this not easier, right? Like, why can we not just get there? It's been a weird year, but it kind of makes it kind of fun and chaotic, I guess. I'm fine well, with it. Well, and that's, that's for me, like, <laughs> that's the Vancouver Connects this year is it's just so dramatic. And as someone who does a lot of their um, regional intermissions, too, it's like you want them to do well. And every time, sorry, my dog's going nuts in the background here. Molly wants to play. Oh, that's okay. Um, but any time, like, they're supposed to kind of lose so that management can finally, like, start selling, they have a big win over the defending Stanley Cup champs, right? And then it's like, okay, then we'll lose a couple. Oh, no, wait, we're back. Great comeback win. Like, it is just, like, chaotic drama, best kind of sad reality show in the NHL right now. <laughs> <laughs> no soap operas, just hockey. Um, yeah. Is there a team or two that you have circled, you know, heading into the trade deadline that you think is going to really define what happens? Um, I think, sorry, Molly, I think That's that okay. is really interesting because right now, like, they're, what, I guess a point out of the wild card spot, one back of Edmonton, yeah. and they've won four in a row. And that's a team where, like, there's going to be tons of guys seemingly available and not just as rentals, but guys that have some term. So if they keep going on this run and in a month from now, like, they're still in the playoff picture, I think that's going to greatly alter um, what happens for the trade deadline and who's available. I'm hoping just even for, I mean, it's not good for a trade deadline show, but I think it would be good um, just to kind of get trades going early, as Brad for Living historically has done is if the Vancouver Canucks, like, finally, I mean, they're out of it now, right? But um, once they're officially, officially out of it, I could see them starting to sell sooner rather than later. I don't have any intel on this. I'm just kind of hoping for it and predicting it. Right. Um, and then I think that'll kind of open the, the floodgates of the market. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the Florida Panthers because yeah, they can't just start to tank because they don't have a first-round pick, but they also probably shouldn't be buyers at the deadline unless they're just going to say, well, all we have to do is get in. Let's hope for the best. May as well may as well buy some more, but they don't have any cap space. That That is a team that is just – they just look stuck That's- right now. And talk about shocking, too. Like, I thought they'd be worse than they were last year, but I didn't think they'd be – this far out of a playoff spot. And that also, like, I think what happened at the World Juniors where people finally saw Bedard on an international stage for a lot of people who weren't, aren't able to watch his games in the WHL, I have to think that that had some GMs pause and think, okay, what are, we, what are we doing here and what are we hoping for in this year's draft? Not that anyone would admit to, okay, let's tank, but you have to think it's, that's, that's the point that we're at in the season right now, right? For a lot of teams, it's not just like, do we want to trade pieces? It's okay. Do we want to, like, is it time to drop? Is it time to tank now so that we at least put ourselves in a good position? Or do we keep trying? That's why Vancouver has been mean, so fascinating. Well, in Vancouver, you know, potentially being a lottery team or sinking down further, I mean, Connor Bedard is a, is a BC guy. Could be an I interesting know, and he spot. loves to connect. Yeah, as someone said, he's always liking the Canucks posts on social media. <laughs> My friends, their social media manager. I should ask her about that. <laughs> oh, you should. Just hey, have intel. you seen any Connor Bedard likes or retweets? <laughs> I should do that. It's my answer. Every time they lose? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. He's just getting more and more excited. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, and, and I'm glad Molly got to get in a few words, too. I know. I have to take her for a walk. How's It's Bono, right? Yeah, Bono. He's snoring in the background. I feel. I always feel bad because, I, I mean, I do my show remotely, and, uh, yeah. you know, I have to, like, throw pens and stuff at him while I'm on mute <laughs> to get him to stop snoring while I'm recording all the time because he's very loud and I will get yeah. notes on the text line being like who's snoring it's like oh, that's my dog I swear it's a dog yeah well yeah, thanks for having the me beauty on of my radio studio <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on it's nice to chat with okay, you talk to you later bye all right there goes Carolyn Cameron she's an NHL host on Sportsnet uh you can see her on Wednesday at Hockey tomorrow, the Leafs and the Predators, if that is a game that you folks in Calgary are interested in watching. And that conversation was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. You can come on in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. I... It's been a while since I've caught up with Carolyn. I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of her work on TV. It was great to have her on the show. A nice jump around the league, and now we're going to focus a bit more back on the Calgary Flames and more specifically on some of the prospects in the organization and who we might see against the St. Louis Blues tonight, maybe in the next game, because we've got two games against the Blues in the next three nights. That's coming up next. We'll talk to Sandra Persina on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, welcome back to the program. We're going to go right into the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. We're going to go right back to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline, I should say. Because we've got Sandra Persina, the voice of your AHL Calgary Wranglers, on the line. Walker Dewar expected to make his season debut tonight in St. Louis. Jacob Peltier also called up. Uh, Sandra, this is a this is a big week for for more Flames prospects here. Yeah, I think Flames fans have been excited and looking forward to seeing Jacob Pelche called up. I remember just to start the season during training camp, uh, there were very high expectations for him, and I don't think they went exactly as planned because you essentially had a space in that top line that was open, looking for somebody to take it. He didn't take it, but. He's really built up his game through this AHL season to this point. And for Walker Dewar, just like, what a great story. Uh, listening mm-hmm. to him today and talking about how his parents made, what was it, the eight-hour trek in the vehicle from South Dakota <laughs> over to St. Louis. Just a great story because we all know the sacrifices that parents and family members and stuff make it make for you to get to the NHL. So it's his second game, but it's well-deserved, and he's – He's one of those players that's just really consistent. He's got a great right shot. It's accurate, especially his wrister, his shooting percentage leading up to this call-up type top five on the Wranglers. He's got a motor that doesn't quit. He works hard. And what I really like about Walker is the fact that he's got chemistry with pretty much everybody. So he found it with veterans, Brett Sutter, Kevin Rooney. But he was also moved up to the top six a lot of the time. And he, he was just a good performer, essentially, wherever he suits in Mitch Love's plan. 
Well, let's get into Walker a little bit more here because, again, he is expected to make his season debut tonight in St. Louis. And, yeah, it was great hearing, you know, everyone piling into the car. And he's like, my parents are used to it. They used to lug me around everywhere playing hockey when I was a kid. So, you know, the long road trip for the hockey parent is not all that unique, but still certainly special that they're going to get to be there. This is kind of his NHL debut when it comes Mm -hmm. to his parents because I don't believe they were at his first game uh, last season, and, and I think he's he's an interesting story. I, I spoke to some scouts a couple years ago who were initially surprised that he was somebody who got an NHL contract or a pro contract, I should say, as a college free agent, and were even more pleasantly surprised when he won that spot at a training camp. Um, seems like a good role player for the bottom six, but as you mentioned, someone who can scale the lineup. Uh, he's a right winger. He's got the size. He's six foot three, two hundred and five pounds, and yeah, he's got some scoring ability at the AHL level. His ten goals this season. Only Matthew Phillips and Jacob Peltier have more on the Wranglers, I believe, in what I was looking at. So this looks like a player who can step in and, and fill a role at the very least on the fourth line for the Calgary Flames tonight, or forever how long Brett Ritchie's out, or whatever kind of runway Daryl Sutter provides for him. Yep, absolutely. I agree, Haley. And he was a really good performer during last year's Calder Cup run as well for the Heat. He he was scoring when it counted, and that's the most important thing is you could insert him into the lineup, and he was a difference maker. And with the Wranglers this season, I just like the fact that he's almost like a puzzle piece. I can't think of the right analogy, but you can essentially slot him anywhere. He can be on the PK, he can be on the PP, and he is actually tied on the Wranglers for insurance goals, so he knows when to score, mm-hmm. when it counts. And his story is just really fascinating, and you touched upon it a little bit. He wasn't drafted, but the thing with him is he's got this never-say-die attitude. So he's been able to make the jump at all of his levels, essentially, from the UCHL to the NCAA, AHL, and now hopefully somehow finding a role in the NHL. Let's let's look at Jacob Peltier as well, because you mentioned, you know, he's having another solid season. I mean, he's what? He's at over a point per game this year. 15 goals, 34 points in 31 games, second on the team behind Phillips in both of those uh, statistics. What can Jacob Peltier add to the Flames lineup if he gets an opportunity to make his NHL debut? The way that I see Jacob, he's just smart and he's responsible. He knows how to play at both ends of the ice. And much like Walker, he can just play in both situations. And this year for the Wranglers, Mitch Love has been able to deploy him on the PK, but as well on the PP. And he's actually still leading the Wranglers with nine power play goals. He can move up and down the top nine. I think it's all just because of his work ethic. And when you come in your second in scoring to Matthew Phillips, and we've all seen Matthew's scoring prowess in the AHL that tells you just how good Jacob is and I just look back because he's in that point of his career where he he needs to get over those adverse situations and those speed bumps and the struggles to start the season and maybe he was down on himself because the expectations were high for Flames training camp so it took some time for him to really figure out what he is at the AHL level and once he had He's just not looking back, so he's adjusted, and he's looked fantastic ever since then. I know I spoke to to Jacob last year ahead of the playoffs, and one of the things he said to me then is he was disappointed in last year's training camp, and then it kind of seems like he had another similar training camp where he comes in and, you know, maybe he was giving the NHL and the camp too much respect and was maybe gripping the stick a little bit too tight and had a bit of a similar issue as he did 
the year before. Obviously, we want to focus on what he's doing right now, but that'll certainly be something that uh, he'll need to maybe change or improve upon in terms of that confidence and knowing his ability and what he brings to the table heading into a camp next year, even if he just gets into the lineup. Just mm-hmm. trust that you're a good player. You got here for a reason. And it's easier said than done, my goodness. Sure. I mean, we hear about this all the time with players. You know, sometimes it's it's the mental aspect that hurts their making the full-time jump more than, you know, their actual ability. Yeah, I think it's part of the journey of being a professional. And for him, he's got the clippings of being a first-round pick. And any time you're a first-round pick, particularly in a Canadian market, I think the expectations are always high and you're waiting for that next first-rounder to really be able to make that jump. And I wonder, I don't want to blame it on us as sports broadcasters, but I'm sure we drove a little bit of a narrative looking at the roster going into that training camp and wondering, okay, who's going to fit into that top nine? Will it be <laughs> oh, Jacob Pelche? And, and we drove it home a little bit and you're waiting and then you've got these PTOs and wondering, okay, Sonny Milano going to do it. I just think back looking to that time period and I wonder if he was maybe listening to that too much. So as he grows into his role as a professional hockey league player, because let's not forget, we're not that far removed from his draft year, right? So he's yeah. just learning as he goes and this is a really unique situation for a lot of these players in the on the Wranglers because you're playing in the same market as your big club so every night that you're playing at the Saddle Dome somebody from the Sutter camp is watching you somebody from ownership group is watching you there are extra eyes on you and this is a really smart market and they're starting to embrace this team but they know also where to call a spade a spade if you're not playing well you're going to hear about it yeah absolutely I think the Wranglers Um, you know, having the AHL team in the NHL building, there's definitely, I would see those things as definitely a benefit because it gives these players more of an opportunity to showcase what they can do. But yeah, there's a bit of extra pressure that comes with that. You know, it's not just one weekend where Brad Pascal or, you know, Brad Tree Living is coming down to town to watch when they were in Stockton. Um, I think, you know, a similar conversation here with Jacob Peltier, when I initially see he and Walker Dewar get called up, and Matthew Phillips was called up, although he didn't really get much of an opportunity. Part of me wonders, is this the Flames maybe looking to see if they're in, if there's an internal answer to the top six winger hole, or are we maybe doing what we did in camp and asking too much of a second-year pro and, and a 21-year-old in Jacob Peltier? That's a really good question. It's It's tough for me to answer. Uh, Full disclosure, I'll say I haven't watched as many Flames games as I would like to, just given the role with the Wranglers. So just focusing on this team, yeah, it's, it's just, I think with this team, there is something there because Mitch Love has deployed a style of play. And I realize there, there are very, the way that these teams are structured, they're very similar at the AHL level and at the NHL level. And Walker Dewar essentially confirms so talking to the media earlier today, but I'm wondering if Mitch Love and the confidence he gives in his players, regardless of where they are in the lineup. So he really likes to just deploy and roll four lines. He's the same way with his blue liners. I mean, uh, the AHL site, unfortunately, doesn't really track minutes on ice. So it's difficult for me to answer it honestly. But I can just tell, yeah, like my (laughs) eye test is, you know, who's on the ice and it's just constant rolling and rolling and rolling. So I think they're looking to the AHL and seeing who can take that jump and who can work with the confidence that Mitch Love has given all of his players. 
I wanted to ask you about Brett Sutter. He had his 1,000th AHL game a few weeks back. I mean, he hit 1,000 pro games last season. He's the captain of this team with the Calgary Wranglers. What has his impact been on the young players in the AHL in terms of his leadership? It's been incredible. And if you think about it, so December 21st was his 1,000th AHL game. And if you think, uh, listen, AHL players, they don't travel on charters. They are on regular commercial flights. They're maybe busing it if you're on a California road trip. He did 1,000 games the very hard way. And if that doesn't gain you respect, I don't know really what does. And, of course, he had to be very um, cognizant of the way he developed his career because I'm sure people would see certain things as nepotism just given what his last name is. But he's done everything the way a professional would do it. How could you not be inspired about what he does? That night was awesome. And to see everybody come together, he gets his silver sticks. I remember Peter Labardius was actually on the broadcast with me and we saw the suite full of Sutters and we were basically saying like name that Sutter because they were all there everybody throughout the years to celebrate this incredible milestone so something that really stood for me and he's maybe not a young player but Kevin Rooney after that game said it felt like he had been playing with Brett Sutter for years because he just exudes that confidence that leadership and he might not be super vocal in the way that he leads, but he leads by example. So to, if that means blocking a shot point blank and knowing it's going to hit you somewhere where it hurts, you do that. And he scores shorthanded and he plays at both ends of the ice. And I, I just think it's tough not to admire what he does both on and off the ice. And it just comes from, I think he's, you know how they say it takes a village? I think that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is with Brett Sutter because he was raised the right way in terms of approaching his hockey career. He's got a great mom that supported him, and now he has a wife and three kids that have supported his incredible journey. Mm-hmm. I, I know that I, I've spoken to some players, and I know some players who were with him with the Ontario Reign in the American Hockey League, the affiliate of the LA Kings, and when he hit the 1,000 pro games. I mean, you just see it on Twitter. You see the quotes. You talk to people, and it's just, you know, one thing after another of saying this is the best captain I've ever had or the best guy I've ever played with, an amazing leader. Um, you know, people really just love talking about yeah. how great it is to play with Brett Sutter. And, and we really saw that come through with these kind of two big milestones that he's hit in the last year. Um, I guess the last question for you, Sandrix, we only have a couple more minutes. Is there anyone else that we need to keep an eye out for from the Calgary Wranglers, not a Peltier, not a Walker Dewar. Uh, I know we've talked about Matthew Phillips before, and he got his shot. And I mean, he's he's the, you know, he has nothing left to prove in terms of being a top top guy at the American mm-hmm. Hockey League level. Is there somebody that we may have missed that could be a sneaky call up, or somebody you know, not right now, but maybe in a year or so that we need to be paying attention to? Well, somebody that's really caught my eye is actually Ben Jones. He's been able to move up and down the top four. And right now with Radim Zahorna up with a big club, he's actually taken on the first line center duties. He's really good in the dot, reliable. If he's taking an O draw or even a D draw, you can count on him doing the right things. And he's actually next to Connor Zeri, he has the most assists on the Wranglers. So he's really asserted himself as a playmaker and as somebody that can essentially have chemistry with anyone in the lineup. So I've really liked his evolution first year with the Wranglers. And I'm curious if sometime down the road, if there is potentially another bottom six injury with the big club, if he even gets the nod. 
All right, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Sandra, thank you so much for, for joining the show. It's always great to talk to you, and we'll have to do this again uh, next time we get a, a bunch of interesting call-ups because uh, you've got it all down. My pleasure, Haley. All the best. Thank you. There she goes, Sandra Prasina, voice of the Calgary Wranglers, Calgary Wranglers, excuse me, uh, the AHL affiliate of your Calgary Flames. And that conversation with Sandra was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. You can dine in, pick up, or have your game day specials delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast, or you can call 403-248-3344. All right, so you heard it all there from Sandra. Really good scouting report on Walker Dewar and what he could bring to the lineup again. Expected to make his debut tonight in St. Louis. Uh, We heard the quotes from him after proct- after morning skate this morning and uh, yeah he's got lots of family coming to town that should be a great experience for them I'm I like him I think he's a pleasant he's been a pleasant surprise since signing with the Calgary Flames again that year when he made the team out of training camp was you know one of the the kind of dark horse candidates I don't think anyone even saw coming 10 goals 16 points in 31 games with the Wranglers in the AHL this season he's a right shot he's got the size he's six foot three 205 pounds and again he's got some scoring ability he's got a good shot his 10 goals are tied for third on the Wranglers this season only Matthew Phillips and Jacob Peltier have more goals this season in the American Hockey League for the Wranglers. So we'll see what he can do in an opportunity with the Calgary Flames tonight. Puck drop between the Flames and the St. Louis Blues in St. Louis at 6 o'clock tonight. Pre-game goes at 5 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960, your home of the Flames.